Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Hi, thanks for joining us for service today. We'd love to hear from you and connect with you. And the easiest way for us to hear from you is if you like and follow and comment on our Facebook pages and then also with our YouTube pages. We really care about you and hope the best for you in this time of uh, distancing. Uh, also, you can get our app if you'd like to connect with us there as well to find information about the service. If you have something, a question about some of a uh, pastor was saying in his notes, you can see that there. And also, if you want to support the church, you can find that information there as well. Because we do care about you so much, we're going to take a moment now to pray and give our needs to Jesus Christ right now. If you have needs, I'm going to give just a moment for you to pray to the Lord, just you and Him, and then I'll pray for us as a church body. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for all the many blessings you put into our lives. Even in this time of social distancing, Lord, and and in some ways, isolation, Lord, or danger, Lord, that we may be in or may be afraid of, Lord, I know that you are with us. I pray, Lord, that you would be a comfort in a time of need, Lord, an encourager, and Lord, a loving support as I know you are. Lord, I thank you for your grace and what you've done on the cross for us, and Lord, the fact you rose again. Thank you so much for it all. Amen. Have a great service today, and I'll see you all later. Good morning. Welcome. Let's sing and worship God together. Heaven, Son, and the world was born.
shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Mr. Dave here on the steps in the sanctuary giving the kids message. It's been a while since we've been able to worship together in one room, but we know that you are with us and that he is with us. That reminds me of what happened after Easter. We read in John 21 about a time that Jesus, after his crucifixion and resurrection, appeared to the disciples while they were fishing. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt by Jesus asking the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. Jesus knew that he would ascend into heaven with the Father. He would leave the Holy Spirit to be with the disciples and us when they weren't together. And he was reminding Peter that he was the good shepherd. And it was his job as a disciple to look after those that Jesus loves. 
So in these times that we live in during the pandemic, when people are sad, when they're hurting, when they're lonely, when things aren't going their way, we look to Jesus' teaching right after his resurrection, and we're reminded that we're to take care of his people. So when we're in our neighborhood, back at school, in our house, with our family, we look for ways that we can show one another God's love by helping them, feeding them, comforting them, being a good neighbor. Why don't you bow with me? And then we will listen to Pastor Kevin's message. Dear Lord, thank you for your life and the life you give to us through your resurrection. Help us to feed your sheep, to help our neighbors, to show your love to those around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Kevin Payne here, First Baptist Church Independence. Welcome to worship with us this Sunday morning, still under quarantine, still digital, still doing this thing. Don't know how much longer it's going to last, but it shouldn't be too much longer. We are glad to have you here today, you know. Do you remember the old Coke jingle, It's the Real Thing? It's the real thing Coke is in the back of your mind. What you're hoping to find is the real thing. Came out in 1969. Can you believe that? Over 50 years ago. And I still hum that, and so do most of you. It's the best jingle of all time, in my opinion. Interestingly enough, not only was it catchy, it said something very simple. They were being threatened by imitation colas, and they sang about Coca-Cola being the real thing. It's what you really want. It's what you're hoping to find. It's the authentic, real deal. We understand imitations, and sometimes imitations are okay. But once in a while, we want the real thing, don't we? We want the authentic thing, like authentic Coke or something like that. Over the next several weeks, I'm beginning a series of sermons dealing with an authentic faith. What is the Christian faith really all about? What are some of its basic teachings? What are some of the basic principles that Christians are to live with? And, and things like that. And today we're going to talk about how the idea of an authentic faith is based on some very simple facts given to us from Scripture. We always remember this. What we believe is given to us by God as we study Scripture. So we have to keep that in mind. This has always been an issue, even in the early church. Let me read a passage to you from 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'll read verses 14 through 16. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself on the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, beheld by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Paul was writing to his young friend Timothy, a pastor in the church at Ephesus, and he was having some problems, and so Paul wanted him to understand the essence of this faith he was preaching. 
One of the ideas that he gave him was that God has acted to reveal the gospel message through the mystery of salvation. In the New Testament, as you read, you will encounter the word mystery, and it's almost always the mystery of the gospel. And that was Paul's way of saying that the mystery of the gospel is information that you're not going to get by doing your homework. You're not going to get just by sitting around and thinking about it. It's not what smart people came up with. The mystery of the gospel is God's revealed truth, what God in his mind created, and he gave it to us. Our faith is a revealed faith. God reveals himself to us through his spirit, through the work of his son Jesus, and most obviously through scripture. As we read scripture, God reveals himself to us. And so he talks about this idea that our faith is a revealed faith, and the mystery of the gospel is something we need to pay attention to. Now, it's not easy to come up with the teachings of the gospel just on your own. In fact, some of the teachings of the gospel are kind of out of touch with other ideas of humanity. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. He says in verse 16, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. In other words, the teachings of the gospel don't come readily to mind. They're unusual. They're challenging. They're difficult to comprehend. And sometimes people just reject them because they're just so not human. They're very godly. Great is the mystery of godliness. Paul is writing to a guy, Timothy, who is a pastor. Timothy's a good guy. He's just preaching Jesus, doing what he can, trying to do all he can to lead people to faith and nurture them in their faith and marry them and bury them and all the things that preachers do. His people, for their part, are just normal folk. Some days they're good Christians. Some days they're not so good. Some days are open to teachings from the word. Some days they don't care. Sometimes they work with God and sometimes they reject him completely. In other words, Timothy and the people in his church were normal, just like you and me. So when we read scripture and we read Paul addressing a pastor of a church full of normal people, we know he's not just talking to them. He's talking to us and he says, great is the mystery of godliness, meaning what we believe isn't natural. It's something supernatural. It's from the mind of God, which is exactly what we understand. The verse that I read in verse 16 is a hymn. So what Paul did, and he's very clever, he either wrote this hymn or find, found someone to write it for him, and he presented biblical teaching in the form of a hymn. And in the early church, they probably didn't sing hymns like we did. They probably chanted them or one people would do a responsive reading, the other people would respond, and so on and so forth. But things were different in those cultures. But in this hymn, he taught them scripture, and he taught them biblical truth about the mystery of godliness. So in the first section of the hymn, he teaches important parts of the gospel. Revealed in the flesh. What he was talking about there was the incarnation. God revealed himself. There's that revealing. God revealed himself in the flesh, through his son, Jesus. God chose to reveal his character, his personality, the things that he thought that were important and things like that. So he thought the best way for him to do that would be to come as an infant, to grow and develop, to live in the context of family and community, and show people what he was really like. So he was revealed in the flesh, talking about the incarnation. The other simple meaning here of this old hymn, the first part, was vindicated in the spirit and beheld by angels. They're talking about Jesus' baptism and his crucifixion 
and the resurrection, which means God used each of these situations to vindicate, to prove who Jesus was. Remember at the baptism, the Holy Spirit said, Behold my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. God speaking through the Spirit. In the crucifixion, we understood that the veil was torn in two. The Holy Spirit was working. In the resurrection was God's power at work through the Spirit. And at the same time, the angels saw all these things. So as they sang this old hymn, they learned that Jesus, Son of God, was God in the flesh. And they learned that Jesus, in his actions, his baptism, his crucifixion, his resurrection, that God was working to reveal him. So the Holy Spirit was proving, this is who I said it is. So this is a hymn. Hymns sometimes make us feel good. Sometimes hymns evoke different memories and emotions. Sometimes, and in this case, this is what's going on. Hymns are meant to teach us. So you can sing this song or quote this verse or chant it however you want. And you can remember that great mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, and beheld by angels. Now, the reason Paul did this was because in the church where Timothy was pastor, they were beginning to waffle on these basic ideas. They'd been taught these before. But you have to remember that the gospel was pretty new. It had only been on the planet 40 or 50 years tops. And people didn't understand it, and it wasn't commonly accepted in the culture. They didn't celebrate Christmas. They didn't celebrate Easter. Nobody knew what those things meant. And so sometimes Christians began to feel like maybe they were out of touch. And so they would begin to back off on Christian teachings and go back to those old pagan teachings with which they grew up. And so Paul saw this as a danger. So he taught them of the mysteries of the gospel. And these were a challenge to the teachings of the day. The Christian faith wasn't based on genealogies. The Christian faith wasn't based on hallucinations or anything else. The Christian faith was based on Jesus manifest in the flesh, crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. The defining issue of our faith and the determining factor of your eternal destiny is the crucified and resurrected Jesus. That's the mystery of the gospel. It is essential if you're going to be Christian, that you hold under those basic truths, that is the only way that you can be sure that the faith that you practice is the authentic faith. One of the other things about this passage that was a hymn was that Paul taught us that God has called people in his church to proclaim this pure and glorious gospel. The Apostle Paul asked a question in another passage of Scripture. He said this, How shall they hear without a preacher? He was making the case that people don't know about Jesus if no one tells him. There isn't just this cloud that disseminates the gospel. God doesn't just turn on a loudspeaker and tell everybody about Jesus. Instead, he calls us, gives us both the opportunity and the responsibility of sharing the message of Jesus with others. And the reason he did this, the idea of calling everybody to be a proclaimer, not just some people, was... In ancient faiths, usually what they had was this idea that the preacher or the priest knew special stuff. And he would explain everything, and the followers were just supposed to come and give offerings and sing songs and do whatever the preacher said. And that's kind of the way man's religions were. But the Christian faith was different. It was a faith where everybody was equal. Everybody got saved the same way. They received Jesus as Savior. Everybody received the Holy Spirit when they got saved. Everybody could read scripture and interpret it because the Holy Spirit was within them. 
And everybody was given the responsibility of sharing their faith with other people. This was God's way. People need to hear about Jesus before they can follow him. And God knew that. And Paul was teaching here, this is part of the task of the church. In this hymn, we'll go back to that, Paul explains this. Another phrase from the hymn, proclaimed among the nations, preaching by believers. So the idea was that as Christians got saved and moved and traveled all over the world, they would take the gospel message with them. So when Christians scattered when things got hard around, they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. They moved all over the world and they planted churches. And we know that's how it worked. Churches were planted not just by evangelistic emphases. Paul did that. But a lot of times churches were started by people who just happened to move into the area and they brought their faith with them and they started the church and they told their friends about Jesus and people got saved and God began to work. Another phrase, believed on in the world. New believers. God teaches Christians here. When you do your part, when you live Christian lives and you tell people about Jesus, he says, I'll do my part and there will be new believers. This was part of that hymn. And finally, the end phrase, taken up in glory. This is talking about Jesus' ascension into heaven. So this hymn talks about God manifest in the flesh, Jesus proven to be who he was by the Holy Spirit, New believers, because Christians were doing their job, and then the end of the story is Jesus taking up into heaven, meaning there is an eternal message here. The hymn gave that eternal message, and the authentic faith that Paul was talking about was based on Jesus, the Jesus of this hymn, and Christians telling other people about Jesus. When those early Christians gathered, they would sing or chant this hymn, and not only would they be encouraged in their faith, they would be reminded, this is what authentic Christianity is. It has nothing to do with your ancestors or descendants. It has nothing to do with how much money you have or how you, good you look or anything. Your faith is determined by the crucified and resurrected Jesus, and that is the essence of Christianity. God is counting on us to help people understand that. We must never assume that people have heard the word of the gospel. You know, sometimes I'm surprised about what people don't know. Several years ago, it's been about 15 years ago, it was in another one of my churches. There was an older gentleman there, and he was a great guy. We talked about cars a lot, and I like old cars, and he restored old cars, and that was kind of his avocation. And he had restored cars from the 40s and 50s, and every one of them had those big, fat, white wall tires, and they were just gorgeous. I was talking to him, to him one day uh, after church, and he was telling me how tired he was. And I said, well, how come you're so tired? He goes, well, I got my brush out yesterday and I scrubbed all my white wall tires because I really like them to shine. And I asked him, well, what do you use to clean them? And he told me he used dishwasher soap and a little bit of other things and some vinegar and scrubbed them real hard. He said it works okay, but it's really hard work. And I said, you know, that's strange because I've never used anything like that. But I told him about a product that I use to scrub the white wall tires on my old motorcycles. And I said, they work really good. You might try it. He had never heard of it. It wasn't a new product, but he had never heard of it. So the next time I talked to him, he said, Kevin, I can't believe it. That stuff works great. It's going to save me hours over the next several years. I couldn't believe that he had never heard of it before because he was a car guy. Never assume people know anything. You will encounter good people. They will celebrate Christmas. They will celebrate Easter. 
They'll have Easter eggs for their kids and grandkids. They'll sometimes go to church. They're good moral people. They love their wives. They treat their families well. They work hard and all those kinds of things. And they do not have a clue what it means to follow Jesus. No one has ever explained to them what it takes to become a Christian. They don't know what being a Christian means. They may have the idea that being a Christian means you go to church a lot, but that's all they know. Of course, that's not the case at all. Being a Christian means you follow Jesus as Savior. It means you confess your sins to God. You ask Him to save you, and the Holy Spirit comes in. And it's based on that belief in the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Your friends need to hear that. If they're not active in a church, if they're not going to church on a regular basis, and you've never talked to them about following Jesus, they may not know. Never assume. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not very comfortable. Why don't I just call the preacher? You can do that. Most preachers are like me. You tell me to go talk to someone about Jesus, give me a name and a date and a place, I'm there, and I'm going to do it. But they might not listen to a preacher, but they will listen to a good friend or a family member. The challenge for each of us is this. Follow Jesus, earn credibility with the way you live your life. And when you get a chance, talk about Jesus to those that you love. Tell them about their need for a Savior. Tell them about the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Tell them about the ability to have your sins forgiven and having a life into eternity with God the Father. That's authentic Christianity. It's based on the facts of Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection. Let me challenge you to do that and begin to live that life and bring other people into the life that God has called them to have. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for service. I hope you were immensely blessed by the song service and the messages. Don't forget, we have messages all through the week that uh, are in little bite sizes for you to enjoy and be encouraged by. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, once again, I thank you for today. Thank you for all your many blessings. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the service. And I hope, Lord, and pray that people were touched and moved and encouraged, Lord, and drawn closer to you as a result. I thank you again, Lord. Amen. Have a great week.